0: What's up everyone, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Bucks and Milwaukee had a back-to-back in Summer League and Justin Garcia is about to go through his first back-to-back-to-back on Locked On Bucks so it's yet to be determined how Justin's going to get through this podcast but we've got another Bucks game to get through and the dream is still alive for the Summer League Championship. I don't know what else to say but the dream is still alive. I noticed some things with Marjan Bochamp tonight I want to throw at Justin. We had a G League Ignite battle as well which is worth mentioning. And we've got to talk about this second two-way spot. Uh, I'm curious to see how all this plays out. And DeAndre Ayton, what did today's developments do for the East and what did they potentially do for the Bucks? Let's talk about it. Max him down. Giannis into the lane.
1: Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Oh!
0: Locked on Bucks. I'm the host Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday. And also find my other work over at ESPN. And as I said, on a back to back to back uh from the Bucks Radio Network, and actually just done a show over at ESPN Milwaukee as well. So he's doing all the talking tonight. It's Justin Garcia. Uh Justin. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what how, I don't know why you're doing it, but you're here again. You've got the call. But uh Everyone is thankful that they're not just listening to me solo tonight. I don't know about that.
1: Um, Man, the the big news, which I'm hoping is what we start the show with, is the dream is still alive. I think in looking through it now, uh, if everything breaks the right way, it would be the Bucs and the Knicks in the Summer League Championship on Sunday. That they need a couple of teams to lose, and they'll be there by way of point differential. Unbelievable. What,
0: What a summer. Well, we thank everyone for making Lockdown Bucks their first watch and first listen of every single day. And these are the moments we do it for potential Summer League championships. You think back to Sandro. Mamou Kalashvili last year on ring night. He was there, but he didn't get a ring. And he was dreaming of this moment of potentially down the road getting a summer league ring. He could env- envision in his head that the NBA was going to bring in rings for summer league, and now he can almost taste it. Uh, and he may, may be uh, in the running for summer league MVP. I, I have no idea what everyone else has been doing, what kind of numbers they've been putting up. But Mamu has been fantastic. Uh, so is Lindell Wigginson We're going to talk about those guys there. I'm still so confused by this. I thought all these teams were going to have one more sort of group game. Or or am I wrong?
1: I thought so. I thought everybody played five. And I don't know how they determine, if you're not in the championship, what your fifth game is. Have you seen otherwise?
0: No. I I just thought that uh, there was another two days of uh, group games, if you want to call it that. And then the the following day, there would be the uh, championship, which would be... Sunday. Is that right? Is that what you said? The championship is is
1: Sunday. Okay. Yes. And uh, so right now there are four teams that are three and one, but the Bucks and the Knicks have the best point differential of those four. So uh, basically the Bucks would need the Pelicans, Blazers, Suns, and maybe Pacers. To lose and if those teams lose they are definitely playing for the uh, summer league championship easy that's good. that's easy that will or if happen. they win yeah or if they win just make it like a one-point win to really shrink the margin of victory
0: that's right and the bucks were flirting with this in this game they win 100 to 89 but they had the big double digit lead and they let that cut right back and then some free throws late some turnovers for the mavericks some good old-fashioned summer league defense from the bucks uh, ensured they got a double digit win here, which was fun. I mentioned some of the top performance, uh, top performers, I should say. And Wigginson had 25 points, four assists, three steals as well. He was very efficient. And uh, Mamu was uh, five for 10 from the field, so he's okay. The three point shot not necessarily falling, but he still had 19 points, six rebounds, three assists, a couple of steals as well. Plenty of steals for the Bucks in this game. Uh, but I want to start with Bochamp again, as we do, he is the uh the big prize here for uh, us all watching the Bucks in summer league, the guy we're most interested in. Uh, and it was interesting because he was up against and actually guarded quite a few times, which I'm sure is not a new challenge to him. Uh, Jaden Hardy playing for uh, the Dallas Mavericks and Hardy had seven points. He did not have a great night at all. Now Hardy has had, I think he had a 28 point game earlier in summer league. So Whatever. This is the only time I've watched him play, but Bochamp gets the points here of the Ignite boys. But, yeah, Hardy's so interesting, Justin. Did you have any thoughts on him coming into the draft? This is a guy that 12 months ago, potentially top five pick, has dropped significantly. Did you have any any thoughts about the Bucks potentially grabbing him at 24? I did not. Uh,
1: I was basically... uh, I was keyed in on a couple of guys that you assumed would be there. One of them was... um, EJ Liddell or yeah, EJ Liddell. Um ACL. And then the part- was it ACL? Is he done? Yeah, unfortunately. yeah. I would assume he's done for the year. And the pipe dream of of Daylin Terry. Um, mm. but that was basically it when you looked at some of the that names. That was a Homer
0: move though. That Daylin was
1: Terry. that was Homer. <laughs> uh, when you looked at some of the names, it was really like I don't know, three or four guys that you continued to uh, to see there potentially around 24 in the mocks. And uh he was not one that I was keyed in on. And like we've talked about before, I think we both kind of said this. Uh, my extent of uh, of college basketball yeah. and G League knowledge uh, outside of the local schools in the University of Arizona is basically what I read in mock drafts that during basketball season my attention is on the box obviously so um, I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about his background and uh, what he really excelled at but I knew even less than I think a lot of people who, who took an interest and thought maybe he could be there at 24.
0: Yeah, we had a YouTube commenter a couple of days ago, and I can understand why there's you know a belief that he could really end up being one of these guys that had a huge slide, but then figures it out at the NBA level. It is interesting to me, and I'm curious. I don't really know the ins and outs of why. There's some rumors of why he slipped so far. He was fine in the G League. He wasn't necessarily an efficient scorer, but I don't think it was... You know, The G League is still something that I think people are figuring out, but if you look at some of his teammates... Uh, this is my at least once weekly mention of Dyson Daniels, but he saw his stock rise. Marjan Bochamp sort of stayed around as a first-round guy, uh, and then Jaden Hardy was the one that slipped big time. But the one thing I will say from tonight, regardless of what happens moving forward, Bochamp just did look like a guy that looks more playable. And it's easier to do it, I guess, if you're a defensive Wing, and you can play multiple positions rather than a guard that sort of likes the ball in his hand scorer, particularly if you go to Dallas. Uh There's not that much ball to be shared around, but yeah, I thought Bocham was was really solid against tonight. He had a couple of nice defensive plays. He had one athletic block that the Bucks tweeted out, which I liked even though it was a foul, but he had a couple of steals. Eric Name tweeted uh, one of those steals, which was kind of the backpedaling poke away that Uh, I think Eric has written the story and called it the Drew has coined that phrase. And Eric pointed out that it was kind of similar move uh, there, which was nice to see. And then offensively, we just saw different things, uh, sort of a step back corner three, which is nice. He had one move to the middle, back to the basket, fall away. So he just keeps doing little things, Justin, that are enough to just go, okay, there's, there's bits and pieces here. I'm pretty excited. And for someone that by the way never reads anything into summer league, I'm walking away excited.
1: No, that's uh that's exactly where I am too that um you you like caution coming into summer league. Don't take too much away from this and we talked about it yesterday with uh you know remember when Rashad Vaughn had a huge summer league that you can't really take a lot but I you know just leave these four games very impressed with what I've seen from Marjan Beauchamp. Uh, we were talking about some of the plays that we saw during today's game and the, the one three that he made, just like we were talking about the other day, he looks like a very capable shooter. And that's not what you were really led to believe after the draft. He had some flashes of playmaking to the block mm-hmm. that you talked about. I mean, he's only, you would think playing next to Drew Holiday and Evan's locker in between Giannis and Drew is only going to make him better defensively. But you know, I I think he might be one of the more interesting guys for the G League Ignite and and what that looks like moving forward in terms of player development, because, you know, you look at that squad. Jason Hart was the coach who obviously played at the NBA level, so he knows, and and he was a role player, and he knows what you need to do. Um, You look at some of those guys that were on the team that have gotten the headlines and you know marjan last year wasn't the most flashy guy he certainly Mm. wasn't the star of the team but he just kind of went out there and performed his role and that's everything we've talked about you're gonna have to do playing under bud so i do really wonder if you know i'm not saying win rookie of the year but if marjan bochamp comes out and you know looks like a capable rotational player right away if that's going to be something to even you know draw a little more, drum up more interest in players, just going to that squad and saying, look, this guy got ready for the uh, NBA level and is, and is contributing. And, and we've seen more and more guys look capable when they go through the uh, G League Ignite squad, that if it takes a guy like that, that it's not a top five pick. And you look back to last year, not anything like that. That just kind of carved out his own niche and became a solid contributor and then just kept getting better. That's probably the best endorsement you can get for that G-League Ignite squad.
0: Yeah, we always look at the guys that really pan out, uh, but we are obviously, for obvious reasons, as they come up with these alternatives to college basketball, you're going to see more and more of it. and. We've seen it with guys like Lomelo Ball and Josh Giddey that have both extensively spoke about the benefits they got from playing against men. Uh, and I think you're going to start to see that again. You, I, I mentioned Daniels, but another top 10 pick. Bo Champ, another first-round pick here. Osman Jiang was, spoke. He's more of a project, but he went pick 11 as well and ended up in Oklahoma City. So that these alternatives are really proving uh, to be uh, well, teams are really starting to take them seriously now and what guys do. And it's just harder to evaluate because most of the time you play in these professional leagues, the stats aren't going to stand out as much as they would if you go to college and you're a star on the team. And then it becomes about evaluating what the player could potentially be at the NBA level compared to just the stats and and perhaps the dominance they've had against kids their own age. Uh, a couple of other thoughts on Bochamp. And then we are going to talk about the NBA and everything that's going on around the nba it is crazy right now and one of those guys that's in the news is donovan mitchell and if you go to betonline.net right now uh, we've got the odds for the next home for donovan mitchell if traded now the knicks are the by far and away the favorite we can get into that miami heat uh second line four to one the celtics seven to one i haven't really thought about the celtics the nets 7 to 1 which I don't know if that's some sort of weird Kevin Durant Durant scenario but I can't really see that playing out. The Lakers are 9 to 1. I don't know how the Lakers could do it. But anyway, you can get all these odds for Donovan Mitchell and where he could end up next. We've spoken about coach of the year, defensive player of the year. Great value with Giannis defensive player of the year 12 to 1. I like it very much. Uh so you can check it all out at betonline.net along with uh, different uh, sports developments and league reviews and news. There's uh, baseball stuff going on. I believe the Brewers are out west right now. It's a uh, beautiful uh, ballpark in San Francisco. So you can check out all that stuff. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. That's online where the game starts. So one thing that stood out to me with Marjan bochamp and i i tweeted this to the dm that we often talk about with frank and eric and dean man mitchell Maurer, and uh just a cast of characters there and uh bochamp was fouled on a fast break and he tried to put down a dunk and he sort of front rimmed it but he was fouled so he went to the free throw line and was totally fine uh before that he had a sort of a, a fast break one-handed dunk that he threw down it's kind of interesting because i I'd seen some highlights and stuff, and clearly he can, he can dunk the ball pretty comfortably. There's no surprise there. I've been a little bit surprised that just for all the hype about his athleticism, and I think it was Milt Newton, I think. I don't want to quote Milt Newton with a false uh, thing that he said here, but I think he said he could be the second most athletic player in the box. Was that, was that Milt that said that? Someone I said that. I believe
1: so, uh, because the only two we really heard from about Marjan were John Milt and- Newton and John Horst. Yeah.
0: So I've just been a little bit surprised that he doesn't have, he's not like head above the rim. Like because off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's not like easy. And, and the, the only reference I can have is, and I know Andrew Riggins is like next level, but I remember watching the NBA finals and some of the dunks. I was like, this is just unbelievable. This guy's just floating through the air and Bochamp Bo- isn't that. Uh, and uh, I said at the time when I said that he could be the second best athlete on the team, this feels like some Pat Connard and a here. A bit of respect for Pat. Uh, and he's definitely athletic in terms of the way he moves, what he can do in transition for his size. We've seen some of those blocks. He's, he is springing, but he's not, he hasn't shown it yet anyway, that he's absolutely explosive. And Dean, uh, Maniart had an interesting point. He's like, I wonder how quickly he's grown over the last couple of years and whether he's still figuring out his body and adjusting to his uh, new height. And then Frank also added that he, he looks like a two footed jumper, which is interesting, which is, uh, can can make things a little look a little more uh, awkward. Guess, yeah,
1: yeah. I guess less, so. I yeah, guess less so. coordinated and or less athletic altogether. When yeah,
0: hmm. yeah. You have no thoughts on that? Is that that's the end of my that's the end of, <laughs> well, that's the end of my spiel here. I've got nothing uh, else to well,
1: <laughs> No, uh, my my overall thought is, you know, it's I I think you you meant the same as well that it's not
0: like a knock
1: on Marjan Bochamp, no, but no, yeah, but I I haven't been like.
0: Wow. You he doesn't look like, like a dunk contest like, contender. Right, Maybe, and like he's like playing Wiggins, alongside Rajon Tucker. So let's be fair. <laughs> hey,
1: like the Wiggins comparison you made, like you don't leave Summer League saying, like, wow, that guy's jumping off the page literally yeah. or figuratively figuratively there. Um, but I've I've just been impressed again, it's Summer League, but impressed with the little things that he's done. And it's it's been funny that um We had this discussion a lot with uh, two different players in years past, but watching Marjan Bochamp during Summer League and watching Mamu has been two very different experiences where it's, you know, Mamu has looked good and we talked about his skill set offensively and what he can do there. But, you know, case in point today, you're trying to close out the game and there's a loose ball and Mamu takes it and just tries for an and one play with eight seconds left. And Marjan Bochamp's just out there finding guys and hitting shots, uncontested shots and making plays. And then you have other guys that are trying to use this. Like you see a lot of guys use the G League to stand out. So I think part of that speaks to being the 24th pick versus a guy that's on a two-way contract, but it's still impressive to enter summer league and knowing uh, you know, you almost have to prove yourself. And he talked about that before game one, uh, and still playing within the system and playing within yourself and not trying to go out there and be a 30-point-a-game guy in Summer League.
0: And by the way, this is the reverse jinx, because yesterday I said that uh, Bocham could potentially be in the NBA three-point competition. <laughs> he went one for five today, so I have to take some blame for that. So now I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether he, you know, we can rule him out of an NBA dunk contest in the future. So now he's going to throw down a 360 uh, one-hander. Uh, in the Bucks' next game, uh, potentially to seal the Summer League Championship. So anyway, hopefully I'm wrong about that. It's just uh, you, you're looking for little observations here. Uh, Lindell wingington we sort of touched on this yesterday. Uh, I had someone tweet at me, and I can't remember, honestly can't remember if I said this, but I, it sounds like something I would have said. I would have said that AJ Green needs to hit six threes or something to secure his two-way. I don't know if I said that. Did I say that? Probably. <laughs> Anyway, this person tweeted at me and said, well, he's got five with, through three quarters, so he's going to do it. Uh, he didn't. He finished with five threes. But uh, Frank pointed to it a, a few nights ago that it's just an interesting two-way selection with AJ Green as a guy that, again, through Summer League, super small sample size. Looks like he's an unbelievable shooter, but, but maybe that's it. Uh, yeah. Which which, if you if you're using your two-way guys with potential to try and unearth something, that can eventually become a roster guy. It's an interesting decision based on what we've seen from the Bucs in recent years. And if the Bucs are thinking right now, based on what I've seen in Summer League, that two-way guys are also potential resources that you can put in an NBA game, maybe early in the season if something happens, or maybe through the season there's depth pieces, as we saw with Mamu last year. And we anticipate Mamu will play at some point this year through the season if he's still with the Bucs, which he is currently. Then Wigginton is he, the guy. I mean, he's he's dominated summer league, and so like if you were just asking me straight up, he, he, the second two way spot is free. What are you doing? It's without question, Wigginton that should have that.
1: Yeah, um, I and you kind of get that sense, but I I mean today was basically kind of the the cherry on top of that for him too, leading the team and in the scoring. And, you know, you, it's also, that's one of the positions that's nice too to kind of develop. You have Javon Carter uh, in Mm -hmm. place for, you know, at least this upcoming year. So it's, it's not like, man, we got to get young in the backcourt necessarily, but uh, I've been impressed with him and just being around the team uh, last year, as long as he was, I think that certainly helped. And that was one of the things they talked about on the broadcast too, that when you think about what this, this uh, summer league team is made up of for the Bucks. It's, you know, a handful of guys that played together a decent chunk last year with Wiginton and Mamu and towards the very end, or were at least around each other with John Tucker and Luca Vildaza that, you know, it, it kind of shows where we always talk about, you can see early in the season, the teams that got together in August and September and, and how much that we're, or that rubs off early in the season, you can kind of see that in summer league too, when it's, it's guys or teams that are made up of two way guys that were around each other or guys that were at the back of the bench for a while and, and familiarity there. And I think that's the biggest positive that, that Lindell Wigginton or one of the big positives that he brings with him for potentially getting one of those two ways.
0: Yeah. Wigmania. uh, only 24 years old. So he's still, you know, pretty young, certainly youthful by the Bucks roster standards. That's for sure. Uh, and, you know, he's one, So, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> with the way that the modern game's trending, defensively, it's difficult. It's just really, really difficult at that size. So I would certainly, you know, understand people that would say, well, yeah, but, you know, ultimately, it's really, really tough at that size in the modern NBA to defend in the postseason, which is what you're looking for if you're the Bucks, looking for guys that can play in the playoffs. So uh, I'll hear... I'll- all feedback on that one. But I just think he's been good. I think someone will pick him up. And by the way, while I'm mentioning random Australian players uh, that probably most people have never heard of, uh, Jack White is a player that spent four years at Duke, didn't play huge amounts In his last two seasons, he was a regular rotation guy, but stats, you'll look at the stats and no one will be too excited about him. Uh, Came back, he's played his last two seasons in Melbourne here extremely athletic guy and he actually ruptured his Achilles about 16 months ago came back this season was unbelievably unbelievable defensively uh is, is an elite rebounder plays the fork but defends multiple positions played for the Australian national team last week when I was covering them dominated played for the nuggets in summer League put up some really good numbers and it looks like yeah the nuggets might end up giving him one of their two way positions. But again, like if that's the way you want to approach your two way with multifaceted guys that you can see playing NBA, and, and Jack White is a guy that I can see playing NBA, maybe for the Bucs is difficult because of the position he plays. But those are the types of, you know, I guess, uh, rising stock or whatever, however you want to describe it, guys that you'd love to use your two ways on. Uh, but you know, basically, the whole point of this, I just wanted to mention Jack White on today's pod, so everyone's aware. But that, yeah, you know, the use of the two ways is still a work in progress. I think
1: it's a it's a work in progress, but it's definitely gotten much better for the yeah. Bucks ever since its its inception. That we've seen year by year, they've kind of, I wouldn't say figured out how to use it, but gotten closer to figuring out what they exactly want to do with it. Um, I mean, if I was running a team, it would basically be my decision on two-way guys would be, was this guy in camp with the Heat or were the Heat considering this guy because <laughs> of their track record in developing those guys? So if so, then yes, or Masai Jury. But that's basically what I would uh, do, but you'd need that intel in Miami and Toronto to get that.
0: Let's talk about the greater NBA, the wider NBA, DeAndre Aiden. I'll throw to you straight away. So for those that have missed this news... Uh, the Pacers signed or uh, Aiton signed an offer sheet with the Pacers. Four years, one thirty-three thereabouts. He's restricted free agent. The Suns had a couple of days to match. They took approximately an hour, maybe at the most. So they've matched that. DeAndre Aiton's going back to the Suns. Any thoughts on this? Uh, and maybe, ha- maybe from the Pacers' point of view, because if Aiton had gone to the Pacers, I'm not saying they're a championship contender, but pretty, pretty nice stuff they got built in there a little bit with. Halliburton and Halliburton
1: yeah yeah um and Duarte that's you know a nice collection of young players uh it basically seals the deal in a trade for Miles Turner if that were the case too Mm -hmm. um but the the Suns had to do this and it's yeah it's kind of the discussion that we've had with various people um, or various players for the Bucks the last couple of years if you're the Suns you cannot let him walk regardless of if there was a falling out with he and Monty Williams or how you view him. This guy was the number one overall pick in a draft (laughs) four years ago. Um, And you are a championship contending team. You can't let him walk for nothing. I think the fact that they've, they updated things in the CBA as they did a couple of go rounds ago. So that um, in case you, the people listening weren't aware. So now Once he signs that offer sheet with the Pacers, he cannot be traded to the Indiana Pacers for a full year. He can't be traded, period, if he goes back to the Suns until I think January 15th. And then even then, he can veto trades. But also, you know, once you agree to an offer sheet, you can't be in a sign-and-trade either. So it basically slams the door on anything Phoenix could have done and means you have a guy that started for you and is still – all things considered, a pretty good player walking for nothing when you're tr- better than pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, but you have him walking for nothing then when you're trying to win a championship. So uh, you you saw the news and you thought, OK, Phoenix has to match this. You can't let him walk. But in the back of your mind, you're, you're thinking, well, it's still the Phoenix Suns and Robert Sarver. So who knows what happens here? But I just think it's interesting in that that. I don't know what this means for Kevin Durant because I always thought the most logical place was going to be Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton would have to be a part of that trade for financial reasons. And just for the package that you would ship out there for him, that's off the table now. Um, And you know, what then does Brooklyn do? Do they turn to other teams and say, well, I guess we're willing to take less. Do they just play chicken and keep him that, The dominoes that this really the ripple effects, I should say, that this caused were really interesting because you went through the Donovan Mitchell scenarios or the the betting odds for where he would land. And the Brooklyn one kept popping up because somebody put together this, you know, like four team mega trade where the Jazz get to rebuild, the Nets get to stay competitive and Kevin Durant moves on um, that, you know, that would have landed Donovan Mitchell there. That's off the table now with DeAndre Ayton out of the mix. So how this impacts teams like that that would have, you know, also looked at him on the free agent market, how it impacts teams like the Nets that basically I'm not going to say makes it impossible, but you would think takes Kevin Durant off the board and what that means for the Eastern Conference. And good for DeAndre Ayton too that, you know, he just took it into his own hands and said, "Okay, I'm not spending the next few weeks here waiting to see am I going to Brooklyn and am I going to be a part of a Kevin Durant package?" Screw it! I'm just signing this offer sheet, knowing probably full well I'm going to be back in Houston by or in Phoenix by doing this because they have to match whatever I signed for.
0: Aiton's awesome. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think there is like kind of a uh, I don't want to say tainted opinion, and I also don't want to speak for everyone. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that love DeAndre Aiton, yeah. but certainly, like if you watch the NBA Finals, I mean, Giannis, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing.
1: Different. It's amazing what what a difference a year makes. Where last year he was the young guy that or the young big man that everybody wanted and talked about how how good of a young star he was developing into, and then you know, whatever happened between he and Monty Williams takes place, and now it's it's like he's a damaged asset, and all of a sudden people are forgetting what he did during the playoffs a year ago and how good he's looked. So that's the interesting part to me. It's also unfortunately the one year anniversary of one of his lowest moments and getting blocked by Giannis in Game Four of the Finals. But yeah, I. I agree that when you listen to some of the discourse on DeAndre Ayton, we've gotten way too far in the other direction, where it's just like, "Well, he's not that good."
0: No, it's very strange. It is very strange, and I think part of it is because uh, you, people have moved away from centers or whatever, or you know, quote unquote traditional centers. But he's more versatile than that. Incredibly efficient, you know, offensively, albeit he doesn't shoot threes. Uh, but no, Ayton's awesome. And as far as the Nets go, I think you know just thinking about it very quickly here as you were talking, I think we are trending towards a situation where Kyrie and KD start the season in Brooklyn. And as you referenced, there is that January 15 date. And so not only do the Nets have time to figure it out with Barry and KD, uh, but the Suns have time to try and figure it out with Aiton. And maybe neither side does. And maybe it still happens. Who knows? Well, later that, on in the that's season. What
1: I, that's what I was going to say is... I don't think it shuts the door on it at the mid-season point. Um, He can veto any trade for this season, but if you're DeAndre Ayton and it's not working or you did want to leave, I think I'd rather be in Brooklyn than, no offense Pacer fans, because we experienced this as Bucks fans the last few years, but I'd rather be in Brooklyn than in Indiana with the Pacers, and I feel like if they're trying to be competitive, I got a better chance at winning and drawing free agents in Brooklyn than I would in Indiana.
0: And then it sets up, and by the way, I think the Bucs are going to be in the finals. They're going to win the title. So this is just this, this hypothetical scenario that we know won't happen because the Bucs will win the title. But then it sets up the Kevin Durant for Phoenix Suns versus DeAndre Aiden for Brooklyn Nets NBA Finals when Ben Simmons returns and he is like a superstar player. Uh, anyway, uh, one last but we should.
1: Well, I was going to say quick, we should say this. I mean, it's setting up for the East was really good last year. It could be really really good this year that, you know, even without um, PJ Tucker, Miami's still going to be good. Boston is obviously going to be good. And I think i better than they were a year ago. We think the Bucks are as good, if not better. Philadelphia is better. And Brooklyn was a seventh seed last year. If they get most of the season from KD and Kyrie, if they're back, and who knows what you get with Ben Simmons, they're going to be in the conversation for a top four team too, that this could be a really, really tough one through five
0: so one last quick thought uh by the way check out the locked on nba podcast you they'll be talking about this in further in depth you will have the experts from the different cities that'll have their theories that may just make me look ridiculous from the outsider position here but who knows listen to locked on nba podcast after you're done with locked on box every day uh one last thought what happened to the respect for first round picks I was like reading all these uh, Donovan Mitchell trade scenarios with five firsts and six firsts and seven firsts and 73 firsts for Donovan Mitchell. And I, I just don't understand. And of, I, like, first of all, of course, it's the Knicks. So they may just do it because it's the Knicks. Uh, I think the other team that they were in there throwing up a million first round picks is the Thunder. And if you've got 130 first round picks at your disposal, you can probably afford to give away eight in a single trade for a player. but. Jeez, it's gone crazy. And then people want to reference the Drew Holiday trade, the Anthony Davis trade. Well, the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis and they won a title. The Bucs traded for Drew Holiday because they thought he was the missing piece in the title. The Knicks aren't – Donovan Mitchell isn't the missing piece in the title next year, so it's just – it's crazy. bit of respect for first-round picks, people. Um, yeah, it's it's
1: fun. Uh, well, first of all, so who would you say is a better player right now, Chris Middleton or Donovan Mitchell?
0: Well, uh, well uh, the, so – if you're asking me who I would prefer in the box, Chris Middleton, but uh, the one caveat to that is we haven't seen Donovan Mitchell as a second best player, which does change things.
1: I also really haven't seen him play defense, but uh, yes, so <laughs> I sure, true. I, true. At, at we had this discussion uh earlier today when trying to place value on Chris Middleton because it, for whatever reason, again, the the Chris Middleton slander seems to come out this time of year. Um, but the interesting part to me when we talk about things that could potentially be changing, and we mentioned the other day the the leak, uh, the reports that they may look into what James Harden did to take a pay cut to, mm-hmm. to go to Philadelphia, and uh, things that they may keep an eye on like tampering. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with some of these trades, because, you know, the the provision for the rookie scale max extensions that was put in place, where you can't have two of those players on the same team that you acquired via trade, that was done to try and curb the forming of super teams. But what's happened is these super teams are now being formed after that extension has kind of run its course. So I get the intent, but it's no longer preventing it. That I do wonder if we're going to start to look into things put in place, like you can only trade so many picks in a deal. Like now you have, you can only trade so many down the road. And I think all we've learned this past summer, these last 18 months is if the step rule wasn't in place, you would have teams who have already given up their draft through 2037 by now with some of these deals that are in place. But I do wonder if that's the next thing that goes in where you can only trade so many first rounders, you can only, You'll include two in a trade and, and things of that nature to try and say let's try to prevent guys from jumping from team to team and this is one way to do it if we cut down on the capital you can give up for
0: it. uh you know i, I agree a, a lot with all that and i'm in favor of just letting it be a free-for-all and let's see how far down the line teams are willing to trade their piece <laughs> like if you're the box you're sitting there and saying Look, I've seen Liam on the practice court, and I think there's some pedigree there. So if we project ahead, in about 20 years, 23 years, he'll be in his prime. So the Bucs should be pretty good. I'm willing to trade a 2046 first rounder unprotected. I think we we
1: say that now uh, for a team that's competing for championships, but then (laughs) you get to the point of the bill being due, and you think, man, we don't have a draft pick for 12
0: more years. Yeah, but at that yeah. point, John Horst is living on his shack in Hawaii. Yeah, that's great for John Horst. people that are
1: still in Milwaukee following <laughs> the Ju- Bucs and rooting for
0: him? What about John Horst Jr. when he's the GM of the Bucs? He's thinking his dad's screwed him. He's got no draft picks for 30 years. Anyway, we could probably continue this hypothetical. Hopefully, people will still listen to the end of this podcast because that's some quality, quality content. Uh, let's go to the weekend uh justin well for me anyway it's friday afternoon uh i don't know when the bucks are playing they're playing sometime on the weekend we'll probably do something post-game so make sure you check that out even if it is on the weekend and then i assume we'll be gearing ourselves up for a summer league championship game uh so let's see what happens see what happens over the next three days hey justin we won't be podcasting tomorrow so you're back to back to backs in the books i appreciate you
1: yeah, the latest update, too, it's still Bucks and Knicks at uh, the best point differential for the three and one team. So maybe it'll be a championship game on on Sunday. And it, if that happens and they win the Summer League, where do you hang the banner? Does it go in the uh, Sports Science Center?
0: I don't know. That's a good question.
1: I mean, you can't hang it, and you, you at least can't hang it next to the 2021 World Champions banner. Put in the the training facility. Put it in the tunnel when you walk from the locker room to the court. Maybe it can go there.
0: Maybe you're hanging at the Wisconsin Herd home court. Do (laughs) Do a ring night
1: for it. It's it's everything you envisioned when you drafted Marjan Bochamp 24 that this is the banner he was anticipating.
0: Either way, I'm all on board. And uh, if it is Knicks and Bucks, it'll be the Brunson (laughs) Giannis Summer League Championship Cup they'll be playing for. So, uh, yeah. Looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be here anyway, so make sure to check out Locked on Bucks. Uh, Enjoy the weekend up until the game. Don't be too nervous. Try and sleep well. Drink some water. Keep hydrated. We'll see you after the game.